Welcome, welcome to the Plus Sides Podcast. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. All right. All right. If you haven't been here before, we are the strabbiest podcast around. So welcome. We uh, we are just three girls that happen to be struggling with our own things that tend to relate to obesity. We met in the TikTok uh, community about GLP-1s, Ozempic, Ogovi, Manjaro, all that jazz. And we decided that it would be good to start a podcast to work on advocacy and education around obesity. So our goal is to help others that maybe not be on social media, that might be afraid to go to their doctor and not realize there are a lot of treatments out there for obesity now, that it's not your fault, that it is something that's treatable medically, and that you don't have to be afraid anymore about going to your doctor and having them blame you. There are lots of resources now. So without further ado, I'm Kim Carlos. If you want to know more about my story, I talk about it on the first episode, but just a quick pithy thing. <laughs> so I um, suffer from, or I would say suffer anymore, which is good, but I have uh, genetic obesity um, and I've been ob- obese my pretty much my whole life. I have a binge eating disorder and started when I was eight. Um, I have been on uh, a couple different GLP ones since July. I've lost 60 pounds and I'm still going strong. I've completely changed my lifestyle. It has allowed me to make healthy decisions around nutrition and movement and all of these things that I always wanted to be able to do, but really never could because biologically something was wrong. So now that I've been able to solve for this problem, my life has just gotten so much more rich and I've become so much more healthy and I just want other people to know about it. So that's a little bit about me and what I'm doing here. Cat. How about you? Hey, I'm Kat Carter, uh, Kat Carter 7 on TikTok. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Mrs. Kat Carter, or Loudmouth Bakes uh, yeah. on Instagram, but that's something else. I just want to just quickly, I want to hear, uh, can I get some noise for, I finally got my office together. Woo! And I finally don't sound like, I don't hear the reverb when I speak. I can, it's not like, hello, 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 hello. <laughs> anyway, and it's still decorating. My husband calls it a prince shrine. Um, so be yes. it. Yeah, it is. And I did not realize how much Prince crap I had until we actually moved somewhere where I could put it all. Anyway, (laughs) so uh, I know Kim outside of TikTok, but um, I kept my Manjaro really quiet because I still felt like I was cheating because I'm sporty and I love to work out and I suffer from binge eating disorder as well. But when I started to take Manjaro, it quieted the noise. I didn't and Kim really helped me feel like uh, the whole TikTok community helped me feel that, no, you're not cheating. Obesity is not a moral failing. It's not an issue um, that you can just fix with diet and exercise because right here, especially on lifting heavy days, I'm like, feed me, seed more. But anyway, <laughs> yes. Or I'm like, lay off me. I'm starving. Like, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, this is my stand-up practice. I'm just yeah, kidding. It is, not, girl. And it's not. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's <laughs> yeah, it, it in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, I'm a cycle bar addict. I love spinning and weights. And um, it, can I just say it's really awesome to now actually be able to see the muscle that I had underneath there. I, there's there's yeah. there's a six-pack down there. I'm going to find girl. you. I'm going to find you, Ab. See? <laughs> I'm going to find you. Anyway. So <laughs> that's my story in a nutshell. Awesome. I was on ep- well, episode so three glad the to whole have thing. you here. So, yeah. <laughs> Janine, tell us about hey. you and why you're passionate about being on the podcast. 
<laughs> so funny, a Maljaro commercial just went off. <laughs> so, oh, <hell>. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, hi, I am Janine Trot. I met Kat and Kim on TikTok, actually. Um, I've been on a GLP1, GIP uh, Mount Jaro for approximately four months. Um, I am genetically predisposed to type 2 diabetes, and I have had chronic obesity later in life. So uh, right now I'm technically in the overweight category. Woohoo! And um, my body is more importantly functioning properly. My A1C is being regulated and any other comorbidities that I have. So uh, these ladies, we, we celebrate uh, all wins and especially that we're becoming healthier versions of ourselves. So we're yes. being healed from the inside out. The weight yes. is a byproduct of what's 100%. going on. Inside. 100%. Yes. So uh, uh, you can find me on TikTok at the Journine. Same for Instagram because there's only one. And um, yeah, and uh, and I'm a Virgo, and Virgo rock. <laughs> and 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 my motto is, you know, it is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, yeah totally. There you go. Awesome. Absolutely. So uh, we mentioned earlier a few times, because we're very, very passionate about it. This is a community that was born, or this podcast was born out of a TikTok community that focuses mm-hmm. on treating obesity. So yeah. we really want to be able to give voice back to people in the community that have testimonials around these medications about how and the different ways that they've helped them change their lives and better their health. So yeah. our our product podcast usually will start with a story from someone in our community that will be able to have uncut, unfiltered, raw opportunity to have the floor and tell us their story. And then we're also going to have medical professionals. And we have a special one today. And if you don't know at weight doc, you should. (laughs) She's fabulous. Yes. And um, she will be on to talk more about the science and the data and all the maths that math to make all this make sense. So um, we're going to start with inviting on Mary. So Mary from our community, I'm adding her now. Welcome, Mary. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Hey, Mary. We're so glad to have you. The floor is yours. Tell us about you. Well, first, I just really want to say thank you for having me. This is so fun. Like you all said, we got together through this TikTok community. I Mm -hmm. downloaded TikTok last summer (laughs) and I started getting in my FYP stuff about GLP-1 medications. I've never even heard of a GLP-1 medication. So it was like Wagovi and Manjaro and it was um, Sam loses it and Nurse April. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Were on my page, like real, real right away. And I'm like, huh, what's this? This sounds really like me. Like this is really interesting. So yeah. at the time I'd been struggling with obesity. I love how you said genetic obesity. That's mm-hmm. and predisposition for so many things. I have everyone in my family is obese. I have one sister, my mother, my father, I have six aunts, my uncle, they're all obese. Um, Many of them are, have type two, they're, you know, type two diabetic. There's just like, it just runs in my family. So I've recently been exploring that genetic obesity line more and more. And it's, it's fascinating. For sure. Yeah. But so last summer I was, I had gotten to, um, 
my heaviest weight of 275, which I'd been there once or twice before. But last summer I was like this, I can't do this anymore. I'm so defeated feeling. And so I got on some medicine from a TV commercial and, and then I started hearing about the GLP ones and I'm like, wow, that's just so fascinating. I want to see if maybe that could work for me. So I followed along for a few months, some creators, and then I ended up making an online appointment to talk to an obesity doctor. Okay. And it kind of went rolling from there. That's cool. Yeah. So So, I'm curious what your, um, what was everything like with the obesity doctor? Like, did you feel like they heard you a little bit more than maybe like another doctor that wasn't a specialist in the area? Mm -hmm. Yes. So absolutely. So I felt like, I mean, just even getting in a conversation with her immediately jumping on, she was like, okay, so tell me about your, you know, tell me about your story. Like, what have you done to try and lose weight in the past? Yeah. I'm like, I've done everything. I've done, (laughs) I've done Weight Watchers. I've done uh, the special K diet. I've done slim fast. That was the worst. Cereal. (laughs) The worst. (laughs) I, 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 at the time I was on something called Plenity, which was like, you take these gel capsules, like nine of them a day and they make you feel really full and bloated and horrible. It was horrible. So at the time I was on that. And, um, I was like, I've, I've done everything. Like I've been on a diet since the first time I realized I was overweight was in sixth grade. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been on a diet ever since then. I'm also very tall. So I'm five Mm -hmm. 11. Wow. And so I'm like a big person. I, I I like, I'm a big, that's when I first realized I was a big person was when I was in fifth grade and I was the tallest person in the whole school. Oh, wow. Whole school. And then (laughs) the whole school, because fifth grade was the highest. Okay. Then we went to middle school and I realized, okay, I'm not just tall, but I'm also broad. I'm like, I'm a very broad person Mm -hmm. too. I can relate. And in in elementary school, I'd been friends with all these, you know, little girls. They were all my little girlfriends and it just changed in middle school. Yeah. 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 I can relate to that too. And I'm sure a lot of people can. Um, What has like, what has been your experience on the medications? Like how have they helped you and what way have they enabled you either with your health or your weight loss? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I started in October, I started feeling the effects. I mean, immediately I felt the food noise within one day. It was like, I didn't know that food noise was a thing. I didn't, I'd never heard it called food noise until TikTok. I didn't yeah. know what food noise was. I didn't know that I had food noise all day long. I thought, Everyone had food noise. And I, I mentioned on one of my TikToks before that, I thought I was like a foodie. I'm like, I just love food. Yeah. Right. I think about food and I'm just like, I'm cool. I'm like a foodie, but I'm not a foodie because I wanted like McDonald's and yeah. and I wanted everything all the time and in huge amounts of consumption. Yeah. And I, my husband, uh, I said something to him a couple of days after being on this medication he was like, wow, I never, I never knew you felt like that. Like, I didn't know you thought about food all the time. Yeah. Wow. So that was the first thing that I noticed right away. It was so quick. And then the second thing that I noticed right away was I was dealing with chronic inflammation and joint pain. And that Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that it went away so quickly, but now looking back, like even after I'd been taking it for a month, I was, I made the realization that I don't have knee pain anymore. I don't have just this chronic pain and inflammation. And I, my first month I lost about 15 pounds and I think it was all inflammation. My face just slimmed down. My, my, I was losing belly fat for the first time 
mm-hmm. in my adult life because of PCOS. And it was just, it just, things just started happening. Like you said, I, all these things that I had wanted to do, I have worked out. I have done intermittent fasting. I've done every workout in the world. I've done every diet mm-hmm. in the world and they all work to an extent. But as I got older and in my mid thirties and had kids and just stuff just stopped working or if it did, it was so incredibly hard yeah, to get the results like that other people were getting. And I was working just as hard and, you know, it was like, I just can't, nothing's changing. Nothing's happening. So that was really tough too. And just seeing those results though, like I started sleeping better almost pretty quick. Some nights I still have insomnia mm-hmm. <laughs> when I move yeah. up a dose or some nights, you know, I, I don't like, I'm not like a perfect little baby sleeping, but I have slept better overall. And I, um, I don't snore anymore. I used to record my snoring for sleep apnea. Like every night I would have it on this uh, app that would tell me like how bad my snoring was that night. Mm. I don't snore at all anymore. It's so crazy. Right. Um, just so wow. many things that have, that have changed in the last six months. And it's things that I didn't know were going to happen. I took the medication originally to lose weight and now mm-hmm. losing weight is like the, it's the thing yeah. that started it, but it's, it's not the most important thing by far. I mean, the way I feel, yeah. the energy I have, I yeah. not having that chronic pain and inflammation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Is amazing. What about like um, mental health wise? Has that improved for you? I've, I've experienced that. So I'm curious if you have as well. Welcome to Fuller Butts, a behind the scenes plastic surgery podcast. Yes, you heard that right. Join your co-hosts, Dr. Sam Fuller and Dr. Dan Butts, board certified plastic and reconstructive surgeons on an exclusive full access pass into the world of plastic surgery. Combining their expertise and training, Drs. Fuller and Butts will share medical insights, detailed explanations, and lighthearted humor to keep you entertained and informed. We're certain you'll become passionate about the plastic surgery specialty, and between debunking myths, uncovering truths, or just making you laugh out loud at their perspective on this creative and artistic field, we've got something for everyone. Yeah. I've talked about that a lot. I'm trying to be really open. Like I have really bad anxiety I've dealt with. I suffered from really bad depression during COVID, especially. I used to be an assistant principal. So I had a very strong position and I was, you know, interacting with others all the time. And due to some health issues with my second child, I stayed home for a while. And that that really shifted my identity and like who I was because I was a teacher. You know, I was a teacher. I was an assistant principal. Like that's who I was. And then when I wasn't, I didn't know who I was. And so I struggled with depression then. And then when COVID happened a year later, I just, I really struggled with like, who am I? What, what do I do if I'm not a teacher? And now I'm a mom and I'm staying at home. And, you know, it wasn't something that I had ever planned on. And so it really just like messed with my mental state of depression, anxiety. And then I found out at 40 that I also have ADHD. So those things all started coming into play with the Manjaro as well. (laughs) Um, And I just feel, I feel better than I've felt in my entire adult life. Wow. Wow. Which is fantastic. It's really wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) So awesome. Yes. Yeah. It really has helped. Yeah. 
That's and that ADHD, um, you know, that's that diagnosis is, is hitting a lot of us later in life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And I feel like some people even think that's kind of a trend, but in mm. women, older women, our age who, you know, I was a good student. I did everything I was supposed to do, um, followed the rules, but I have struggled my entire life with severe organization procrastination, just cluttering. You know, I leave, I leave piles everywhere I go. My husband calls me a pile maker. Like everywhere I go, I'm like, Oh, here's a new pile and I'll deal with that later. But I never do, you know, like completing yeah. the tasks yeah. and my executive functioning. So yeah. I've always been diagnosed with depression or anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I finally went to bat with Indeed. somebody last year, a specialist. And I'm like, you know what? I don't, not saying I don't have depression or anxiety, but I feel like I'm always being treated for those things. And, and the symptoms are so similar. And so we got to the root of it and started on like low dosage um, of Adderall. And I was able to lower anxiety and lower depression meds. Okay. And just, and now I still feel better, like the best I felt. That's great. That's awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. I've definitely had a similar experience in terms of the anxiety. So I understand. And I know we did have Dr. Rosen on uh, last week and he specifically did mention that there is, you know, they find like a, a strong tie between obesity and with ADHD. You know, yeah, I think yeah. we're learning so much about how everything's connected, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah oh, it's like still ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Really mm -hmm. We're still learning. Yeah. It doesn't surprise yeah. me what we're finding out, like almost every day, if not every week about what these GLP ones are like as a benefit to us, like kidney health, heart health, you know, mental health and everything. But you know what, Mary, have you noticed or have you been experiencing people treating you different due to your weight loss? Oh, good question. Um, that is a great question. <laughs> I have, I have noticed, um, I've noticed it not so much from my friends because I have yo-yoed for the last 20 years that I've known a lot of my friends and family members, mm -hmm. but I notice it more from people who I'm not close with, like okay. either just acquaintances I haven't seen in a while or even strangers. Like I feel like I get more positive attention, more doors being held open, um, more just like eye contact and, mm -hmm sincerity from people than I did 60, almost 65 pounds ago. And, and that's, yeah, that's awesome. That's kind of a hard pill to swallow too. It's like, wait, it is. I, like, yeah. Yeah. I imagining that also, yeah. 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 I remember yeah. the other day, like I had a, a, a guy look at me. This feels, I'm married. So it feels awkward even saying that, but he was like the up and down thing. And I thought, I haven't seen that in 10 years. You know what I mean? And, and I thought, but I thought to myself, why I'm freaking right. gorgeous all the time. Like what the hell? Right. It does feel good. Right. When it happens. We're fabulous all like, the time. I've been here right, all right. day. Like what the heck? You know, like, but right. I mean, it is a weird feeling, you know, I totally mm -hmm. can relate. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's the other thing I used to always get and it, I don't see it. Well, um, where men would say, I love all women or I like women with big, I'm like, I, mm -hmm. why, why do you have to say that? Like, are, are mm -hmm. you afraid oh. someone's going to come out of the wall and like, <laughs> joking for finding a heavy woman sexy? Because that's possible too. Yeah. yeah that's one of my gripes. Yeah. I was like, I like, I like big women. You didn't yeah. have to tell me that. <laughs> like, you yeah. just said, I just like you. <laughs> yeah. Who's right, going right. to clown you for doing that? Who's going to come out and 
joking. Yeah. So yeah. Right. So, right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Mary, um, if you would like to stay on, we actually have wait talk with us. And I'm gonna have Kat. I would love to. Yay. All right. Oh, yeah. Dr. Jenna Seawalk. Hi. Did I say it right? It's a hard one. Oh, you said Cywack. I said the whole time. It's like you were really practicing. I'm trying to make the motions like oh whack. Oh my God. There you go. Or Jenna is okay. Like, I could have sworn it was okay. Wow. It's Got okay. It. We're close and we corrected it. This is the scrappiest podcast in the land. It, it is. It's, oh, it's good. Good. I was wrong. I was loud it and is. wrong. <laughs> well, oh, Jenna, thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for pulling me out of my shell and making me be here. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so thank glad. you. We love your videos and they're mm -hmm. so informational and you're such a great advocate for us that struggle with obesity, that struggle with, you know, type two diabetes, that struggle with PCOS. Like you understand mm -hmm. like how these things are all connected and, and mm -hmm. how metabolically this, this matters, you know, for our health and for our, for our lives. So mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you were able to come on and talk with us today. Yeah. And that you, we were to have Mary here. Um, Mary, feel free to, of course, to join in the conversation. This is meant to be an educational and advocacy mm -hmm. podcast. So we would love to have any yep. kind of interjections you may have. Um, of course, Great. we have given you questions ahead of time. So anybody that wants to come on in the future, it's a warm seat, not a hot seat. So, <laughs> exactly. but um, if you could tell us a little bit about you um, and why you're here and what you focus on, then we can go from there. Okay. Well, I'm a mom to three kids, one, three, and four. I always wow. feel like I have to start with that. And then um, I'm also a physician. So I'm a family doctor, first and foremost. I'm also double board certified in obesity medicine. I practice full-time family medicine and I incorporate obesity medicine into my practice. So that's kind of how I've, that's the balance that I figured out works for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I really enjoy it. So I just, I feel so strongly about it because obesity medicine and treating obesity is at the core of almost everything, not almost everything, but so much of the chronic, um, chronic diseases that we manage in, in primary care. It just doesn't make sense not to treat it. So that's why it yeah. so much to yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. I think, it, I think that's awesome. I mean, I, I'm, I started my care with um, a primary care doctor and they've been taking care of me. I've gotten to the point where I want someone that specializes in obesity to oversee me because I recognize now learning through this process that it is something I'm always going to struggle with. And right. so I wanted like that specialty, but I think it's wonderful <clears throat> because there aren't enough obesity specialists. So being able to, from a primary care perspective, be able to like tap into that is huge. And I hope more people know, like you can go to a regular doctor. And if that one doesn't work, then you can look for telehealth mm -hmm. obesity practices and things like that yeah. too. I, so, I do, there, there's so few primary cares mm -hmm. who are board certified in obesity medicine. Yeah. You, know, you can be any type of physician and be board certified. So that's really the tricky part is we can give people yeah. the resources like go look here, but that could be an anesthesiologist who's board certified or a lot of endocrinologists, yeah, right. some are pediatricians. So I, I do think it's hard to find a primary yeah. care. I don't, there's one other PCP in my area. Um, yeah, of mm -hmm. somebody who has that background who's using it. So I, I know I even hesitate to tell people to go look for a primary care who has that board certification because it's it's so hard to find. And I, I yes. think a lot of people will need to use telehealth. But but I know you've talked about how your your primary care manages your Manjaro, right? Um, Ozempic for me. Ozempic. I came too, I came too late to the uh, 
to the Majara party when I came. I didn't know that. <laughs> no, I started on Saxenda. Okay. And then I did that for a while and then insurance had me switch and now I'm on Ozempic. And I'll, I'll probably cut that out soon, to be honest. <laughs> but it's yeah. going really well. But yeah, so that's when I'm, and then maybe Majora will come around for obesity and things yeah. will be different. It, but yeah, yeah you know, obviously, not a lot of insurance covers that yet. But, but speaking I, but of- like a lot of PCPs, you know, even who are willing yeah. to, to manage it, don't necessarily know how to adjust it or don't know oh, how so to use true. it for yeah. contact or aren't willing to do the PA. So yeah, it's a huge struggle. Yes. But I, I do, yes. I feel like obesity medicine should be- it should be something that is worked into a primary care residency program. And it could totally, be, but it, it should just yeah. be part of the core training for that. And maybe one day it will be, um, it yeah. would make sense. Yeah. but yeah, right now. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. We've, True. we've, um, we've definitely learned lately that it's, it's, and from several people that it's like, it's unless you choose to go back or, or set aside, mm-hmm. you get certified in those areas. Like it's not something that's readily taught. It's, it's um, not at all. No. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's why it seems like it seems like that's a lot of the reason why that like um, we see we see a lot of doctors that don't really know much about it. Like we had um, we had I don't know if you know Bourbon RX, but yeah. he came on. He was like, yeah, like we they told us like literally the focus was if you are obese, you're going to have a heart attack or get type type two, type two diabetes. Stop it. Eat less, move more. And that's what we've all been saying forever. Like, yeah. yeah. And so we're like. Maybe there's another way. Like there's science data to back this up, you know. Um, but speaking of all these GLP ones, there may be some people that don't know what these actually mean or how these actually work. I, I don't think a lot of physicians even do, and I, I do think that's yeah. a big part of that. I mean, yes, obesity, Ooh. stigma, weight bias. I think that's a big part of it. But also, we just yeah. they have not learned, and so I, I really do think we're going to start to see that change. So I'm five years out of residency, and when I was in residency, the big GLP was Trulicity. It was once oh, wow. a week and that was the big, the big one. And yeah. so I got out of residency and I was using that. And then I realized the endocrinologists were prescribing Ozempic and I was like, Ooh, what's that? And that became the big one. So it's just, when you yeah. think about how new the ones that we utilize for weight management are, it's still really new. So it kind of makes sense. But, but um, even in like a typical primary care um, residency program, it's still not all PCPs are even going to be comfortable using those for diabetes management. So I think the the weight management piece, they're definitely not comfortable with that. Not, not the average PCP, unfortunately. So um, I I do think it's going to change drastically in the next 10 years or so. And yeah, I'm really excited to just to be. Yeah. I think, I think the common misconception that I I'm hearing for people that like will comment on my posts or videos or whatever, they'll say, oh, okay, so it's just an appetite suppressant. And I feel like it works very differently in the body. And you have described that in some of your videos. Could you mm-hmm. kind of just give us like a rundown of what that looks like for people maybe who, who don't know? That okay. are listening? So yeah, so I always tell people there's a couple of different ways that the GLP-1 medications work. They do work by increasing satiety. They slow down gastric emptying so that the food is just moving through your body slower. So you get fuller quicker and you're less hungry, but they also work on the insulin resistance portion. So they affect the insulin and the glucagon release and help your body regulate blood sugar. So I I still would say that the main way that these medications work is by making you feel fuller quicker, but they're not an appetite suppressant, like what we typically think of like phenermine. They're not a stimulant. Um, Mm -hmm. totally different than that. And they work on that insulin resistance component, which is really important for people with PCOS or prediabetes or diabetes type two, or, you know, any degree of insulin resistance, which we know there's a whole spectrum. So, yeah. Yeah. 
That's very cool. Thank you. Um, I we have noticed, like speaking again, like about people who don't know a lot about these medications. We have seen some celebrities. Back to the title of the episode. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is obesity medication <laughs> and media and celebrity fear mongering. Um, so we've had several people in the media recently. Um, I think one you even made a video about. I did. Um, I did. Jamila, right? Jamila, yeah. And then Jillian Michaels and Bethany Frankels, all people kind of speaking out against these. Yeah, because the you know, apparently they're doctors. They're apparently they are. So we'd love to hear kind of what's going on with that. What's your opinion? You know, I'm trying to remember they all blend together. Bethany Frankel was the most <laughs> recent one, and I actually really yeah. enjoy watching Bethany Frankel. I just watched yeah. her talk about makeup. He's like, she's so good at what she what she knows. <laughs> she's so good, but just stick to that. You know, yeah. um, stay in your lane. <laughs> stay in your yeah. lane. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Her her most recent video where she talked about something, it was just so out there. It was all over the place. But the biggest thing that she said, I think that irked a lot of people, was that of course it's a shortcut. Talking about yeah. surgery or meds yeah. or pretty much everything. Yeah. Well, of course it's a shortcut. Uh, no, it's not a shortcut. We know that obesity management is a, typically a, a long-term lifelong thing. So, yeah. um, and there's a lot that goes into it depending on what route you go as far as medications or surgery. And yeah, it is yeah. not a shortcut, but that, that was like the one thing that she said that just stands out to yeah. me, the shortcut thing. She said a yeah. lot of other horrible things, but that was the big Yes. One. Yes, she <laughs> yeah. did. And we hear that a lot too. And like Jillian Michaels came on and was saying stuff like, I got all my family to stop taking Ozempic or something like, like just crap mm-hmm. like that. And I'm like, good for you. Who are you to tell your family <laughs> who is actually prescribed yeah. by a doctor to stop taking it? Like, yeah, and, just- you, and you read through the comments of hers and it's just, that's what's so maddening is she has such a, a large influence on like millions of people yeah. and uh, so many people who will just believe anything that she says. And that's, yeah. that's what frustrates me so much is yeah. It's like an abuse of, power and privilege and position. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think they also are confused uh, or maybe they don't care. I don't know about what's obesity and what's to 15 pounds, right? Like these are very, obesity is a disease, right? They're very different things and they're kind of lumping it together. And she talks about like, like she said, Ma Wang and like all this different stuff. Yeah, and I the had only to look up what Ma know... Wang was. I was like, what is I was like, what is that? What? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I think it was a little right. bit before a lot of ours time, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'd be like a little bit like being kind of tone deaf, like you're not really understanding. No, yeah. and they will. And what the they all do too, they'll, 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 the moment we call them out and we say that obesity is different than just weight loss, they'll say, oh, we didn't mean obesity. We meant for the people who are trying to lose five or 10 pounds. We didn't mean that. Right. And yeah, yeah. Even she did that in her, her follow-up video. She kind of mm. fell back on that, but then yeah. still said a bunch of insulting things. It was just like, ugh. It makes me think yeah. of, um, with Jillian Michaels, The Biggest Loser, when statistically yeah. the majority of those contestants have gained all of their weight back because yes. their metabolism was so jacked up after the show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the Jillian yeah. Michaels thing is also infuriating. She's She is one I remember doing some of her videos like in high school and so I really mm-hmm. hate that she is out there talking like that yeah I yeah, really, yeah. really liked her yeah. it's sad because she she was like and if I had been a contestant on that show you know many years ago and then you hear her the way she talks about obese people like mm-hmm. it's really disheartening you were supposed yeah. to be kind of yeah. a supporter of you know anti-obesity and helping people get healthy but really you're just shaming them yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like I felt like she was shaming them on the show. 
Like the oh yes, the, the, I mean yeah. The, the few times I did watch it, I literally was just like, "Is she really yelling at them?" I mean, like yelling full force at people that are doing their best, and mm-hmm. they were doing whatever they could to make sure that they met the number for way day. Yeah. I just never could get with that show. But it's yeah. just diet culture like one on one. Like I don't know about y'all. Diet culture broke my ass. Like I, I've been still getting through like that's one thing that I think the medicine does allow me to too. I don't know if you guys can relate, but like it's allowing me to heal my relationship with food and allowing me to get away from like those unhealthy ways of losing weight and thinking about mm-hmm. more about nourishing my body first. And yeah. I don't want to have an Oreo. Away from Oreo. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's um it's it's really I've been really trying to break. I mean, there's so much mental work I think that goes on top of this when you've been in a larger body the majority of your life, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's there's a lot of work to be done. But like speaking of anxiety, um, yeah, we we mentioned that earlier. Mary even mentioned that she was struggling mm-hmm. with some anxiety, and I mentioned that like even with me with the food noise was mm-hmm. kind of all the noise was gone for me. It wasn't just the food noise, you know. Um, yeah. And so like all my anxiety kind of just like just turn right off. It was kind of incredible. But yeah. um uh, Kat had mentioned about How's like, that addiction, right, Kat? <laughs> addiction. Yeah. It doesn't um I've heard some stories where people say like their cravings for smoking, um, alcohol have also quieted. Yeah. Um not only mm-hmm. just the anxiety and, and the the food noise and the white knuckling, but a lot of that has also subsided as well after taking a GLP one. Yeah, there there is science to support that. I know that's like a heavily researched area currently, but there are GLP receptors in the brain and the reward center and in our center of the brain that regulates emotions and mood. So it is definitely possible. I almost hate admitting that right now because then... The Bethany Frankel thing that we're oh no yeah right but but that's not what we're talking about but um, yeah there's there is science to support just with the GLP receptors in the brain the other piece that I do think plays a big role um, is uh, it depends on what your anxiety is about and I know you mentioned it's not more than just the food noise and the food chatter but for a lot of people they do have anxiety around what they're eating especially with binge eating disorders. and health anxiety. So if they're, if a lot of their health conditions are improving and they no longer have that food noise and that, 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 that food noise is just gone, their anxiety is going to improve too, because the source of that anxiety is gone. So it could be a combination of the, it's probably both of those, but we don't know a definite mechanism by which it would improve anxiety yet. Like if we look at a lot of our depression yeah. meds, we know, okay, it works on the serotonin or the norepinephrine and dopamine. And mm-hmm. there's theories that it's, it's doing similar things, but we don't, we don't know that much detail about it yet. But yeah. I, yeah. Think more will come out, and that's a common thing I hear from my patients too that their anxiety is improved, and it's really, really interesting. I have not had yeah. any patients who've quit smoking. I've, I've like secretly yeah. hoped a couple would quit smoking on it, and that hasn't <laughs> happened, so kind of disappointed in that. But, um, so I haven't seen that too much, but I know people do say some people do yeah. say that it helps. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard other people say sometimes that it doesn't, that it goes the other way and causes more anxiety. Um, yeah. And then I, I know there were some studies that kind of talked about the difference between like anxiety and then like depression and like, right. You know how that could, those were kind of looked at in different ways. It was more of like improvement with anxiety as opposed to improvement with depression. I was thinking I saw one of your videos about that. I Maybe it wasn't. Think, I don't think that was me. Um, was it yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, it'd still be similar. And I would, I would say it's probably going to be the, a similar mechanism. It still all yeah. stems from that same area of the brain. So yeah. Yeah. I think well, we'll, 
there'll be more to come on that. And yeah. I'm super excited. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. to see how it goes too. Because I can't help but wonder, just like as a person that goes through it, was it always food noise for me? And that it just got so bad that I started to obsess and have anxiety about everything. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, was it always food noise? You know, was it always the obesity and it just like snowballed? I don't know. I'm super curious to see how that that turns around, you know, and like what those studies yeah. look like for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. 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 And food noise, that the first time I heard that was on TikTok and I use it all the time. Yeah. So that, that's <laughs> me too. Yeah. Community. Like, yeah. And some of who started that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I heard like food chatter, food noise, mm-hmm. you know. And like, I remember the first time I, I when I found somebody on TikTok, they said, um, they were like, you want to like most of this medication, the quiet. That's what the shit. Cause it wasn't even like they were saying food noise. And I was like, oh my God, that's right. The quiet. What's up right. with the quiet? You know, it was so loud in here. What happened? And then that was when like, you know, so people that don't know what we're talking about, it's just con- like what Mary was talking about, constantly mm-hmm. thinking about food, you know, constantly thinking about ingesting food and eating food. Mm-hmm. And it was and like, that's a lot of energy that goes into that. I mean, lot. so just freeing up all that brain space to build yeah. about other Ooh. things. I mean, that's yeah. really incredible. That's a good point. It really that, is. That yeah. Good for mental yeah. health too. Right. Yeah. You know, with, I, with binge eating, um, like, cause I did overeaters anonymous many, uh, as well, um, is you gotta teach yourself how to turn that off. Um, and they tell you what the, what the reason why you're binging is because you're stuffing emotions, you're stuffing feelings, you're stuffing anxiety. And I have noticed that when I started taking Manjaro, it's making room for, for me, more feelings. Like I caught myself mm-hmm. with a little bit of anxiety today about some other, um, other opportunities, other things that I'm working on. And I realized I'm like, I have not felt this in a while because I'm actually, it's allowing me to feel. And then, well, you can't eat now. So let's lean into it and mm-hmm. go with it. So right, it yeah. does kind of help clear things up. It sort of like allows yeah. you to kind of stop and start like, wait, what's happening? What am I doing? Instead of like just leaning into the behavior, like, you know, it's yeah, yeah. an escape. Like so, kind of like anesthesia for a surgery. I, I always <laughs> like that analogy, but like, and that's usually how I'll explain antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds to patients. But, you know, you wouldn't go through a surgery, a painful surgery without anesthesia. Well, most of us wouldn't. I wouldn't. The moms who no. go through um, labor without an epidural, like I would never do no. that. But some people like that. I don't know. Some people do I'm not that girl. No glory and pain. I have some friends like that. I do. And it's okay. And I love it. But if you're super depressed or super anxious, it's hard to do the, you know, do the work or to, to do counseling, to do, to go through the thought processes that you need to, to heal. So it's like the antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds are kind of like an anesthesia so that you can actually do what you need to do. And I feel like the GLC meds are, they're kind of like that too. So you can, Mm -hmm. like you said, you can, you can kind of take a step back and think and, and, Mm -hmm see how you're feeling and look at behaviors and right. Yeah. 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 And right. make like conscious decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trini, I think you had a question that you wanted. To- I did. And I, this one is kind of a warm topic. Oh, okay. but- Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, only because we, we have so many new members uh, mm-hmm. to the GLP one community. And I find that so many of them, and I think all of us, can attest to this, that they're very apprehensive, if not scared of the side effects of these medications. And, you know, I know that I openly talk about mine only to be transparent, but Mm -hmm. they're like, 
I want to start, but I'm really afraid of the side effects. And I and and I know as probably as a doctor, you you know hear this also. But my question is, can you talk to us about the side effects and also are the side effects usually manageable? So, you know, just to kind of educate yeah. people on this. Yep. So I think it I think it is important for people to be aware that there are common side effects that get better with time that are kind of expected because of how the medication works. Um, and, and so that's always a big discussion that I'll have. It, people do have to know about the potential side effects. So just with the way that the medication works with it slowing down gastric emptying, a lot of the side effects are going to go along with that and they're going to be gastrointestinal related. So I tell people they should expect to some degree mild manageable side effects, at least with starting the medication that should improve with time. It should be tolerable. If it's not tolerable, then it's not the right medication or it's not the right dose because it shouldn't be severe. Um, But nausea, heartburn, heartburn because the food is not leaving your stomach as quickly. So if people eat like close to bed or as even when they normally would eat, that food can still be in their stomach. So they might find that they have to adjust. Mm. They can't eat as close to bed. They can't eat certain things that are going to trigger heartburn. They have to eat smaller meals, but people usually will adjust. So heartburn is a big one. Nausea. um, And nausea usually is the first two, three days after an injection and gets better and and does usually improve with time. And we can also make that tolerable by having like Zofran on hand is appropriate for most patients. So I will usually offer that when I am starting a medication. And I think it's totally fine to have that on hand as long as it's not needed like four times a day forever and ever. Um, And (laughs) constipation is the biggest thing that I see. And I think it's really important for people to stay on top of that. So some people will ignore the constipation until it gets to the point that they're having, you know, bleeding hemorrhoids. And we're like, okay, now what are we going to do? If we know, if we, people kind of expect it, they'll know like, okay, I need to start Miralax. I need to start magnesium. And there's a lot of different remedies for that, that work for different people. So like magnesium citrate, and none of this is medical advice, by the way, I'm just going to throw that out here. General oh yeah, disclaimer. disclaimer yeah. But yes, all this is educational purposes only. But magnesium citrate can be really good for constipation, especially mm-hmm. for people who don't, who just aren't going to do powders, because a lot of people just aren't going to do powders. But otherwise, um, Miralax is great. Fiber is great. I think the little Miralax fiber cocktail is great. I think a lot of people <laughs> on here do that. Uh, but there, there's a lot of ways. The point being, there are so many different ways that we can manage constipation. And that that is the number one side effect that I've seen with Manjaro is constipation. But it has not been so severe that anybody has has quit Manjaro. Um, so those would all be common. Less common would be like profuse vomiting. And if that's the case, that if, if someone on TikTok is talking about that, often that's going to be someone who was put on too high of a dose, you know, so that's more like a doctor mm-hmm. error. Um, but it may not be, but profuse vomiting would not be, it would not be a common side effect. And then the ones that people are typically scared of are pancreatitis, which is not at all a common side effect that we see with GLP meds. It's a common side effect that we see with diabetes and inflamed angry pancreases. Um, and thyroid cancer is the big one, which there's oh, yeah. no good conclusive evidence that these medications cause thyroid cancer unless you're a rat. So as long as people <laughs> don't have that 
specific family history or personal history of that medullary thyroid carcinoma or MEN2 syndrome. Medullary thyroid carcinoma is usually genetic as part of MEN2 syndrome. And it's very, very rare. I've still never had a patient who had a family history of medullary thyroid carcinoma. It's that <laughs> rare. So we usually see papillary um, papillary thyroid cancer, follicular, some other type, it's it's rarely medullary thyroid carcinoma. So that's the only true contraindication to these meds is that particular history or family history because of the rodent studies. So um, yeah, I do I, know some rats that masquerade. I don't think Zero. you can 100% say like, okay, this is never going to be an issue. It's just that it's really hard for the studies to Right. make that determination because it's such a rare thing anyway. Um, yeah. And we do, we have 20 years of data, so they're not brand new, but we don't have 50 years of data. So, you know, yeah. is it possible mm -hmm. that 20 or 30 years from now, they, they might say, okay, yes, there's absolutely a small increased risk. I, I think that's a possibility, but I don't think sure. it's going to be a, you know, large, a large risk. And yeah. there is a risk of thyroid cancer anyway, that is related to obesity. So it's, it's always going to be mm -hmm. risk for benefits and what are the risk of, going untreated? What are the risk of untreated obesity and diabetes? Yeah. And you know, there's like a 12, 13 different cancers that are associated with obesity. Um, yeah. So we always yeah. have to weigh the risk and the benefits, but for most people, the benefits will outweigh the risk. Yeah. Okay. That's, and, cool. and I'm so glad you said that because that's what I try to, well, that's what I say is that the benefit definitely is more than the risk. And another side effect that we're hearing more about is hair loss. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing it in the media also of these drugs cause hair loss. And I, I thought it was rapid weight loss will cause hair loss, mm -hmm. not necessarily these mm -hmm. medications. Can you e explain that and briefly discuss that? So we're more educated on it. Yeah. And as far as I'm aware, I don't believe there is a mechanism by which the medication causes hair loss, at least not that we know of. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we think that's more just related to the stress of it could be the stress of a new medication on the body. It could be um, from the stress of the weight loss. Um, and personally, I've not had patients experience hair loss that haven't had a, a pretty significant weight loss. But um, we, we can experience hair loss after any any big stress. So it's the same type of hair loss that we see after after um, as a mom, after we give birth, it's three to four months later, we start losing hair and that can yeah. last for several months and then it stops and it feels like it's never going to stop and you feel like you're going bald. And I feel like I've been there constantly the past few years. I bet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I bet. It, yeah. Back. And it usually I guess so. Does come back. Yeah. So um so that can definitely happen, but we think that is more related to the just to the rap to the rapid or significant weight loss, maybe due to some nutritional deficiencies, which is definitely a possibility. So mm -hmm. not getting enough protein, not getting iron, not getting vitamin D. Um, so having those levels checked, like an, an iron level mm -hmm. and a ferritin level, not just blood counts, you know, would be yeah. one one good thing to do. So thyroid levels, um, for people who are prone to that. Um, so I still think it deserves a, a workup just like anything else, but it's not an unexpected thing. And we don't think it's because of the medication right now. We think it's from just the, the, the lack of nutrients, maybe a deficiency or just the rapid weight loss and the yeah. shock to the body. Gosh. And then it usually grows back. You said it, right? it almost always grows back. So okay. if, it, if 
if that were to go on for so long, like say somebody is in a constant state of severe stress, stress can cause that type of hair loss. If you never get out of that stress, then yeah, maybe it could be a more permanent thing. If you're in a chronic state for many years of iron deficiency, then yeah, maybe those hair follicles aren't going to start regenerating. But yeah. Yeah, typically, typically it will reverse. Like so, the idea with with the hair with the weight loss would be when the rapid weight loss, or that when you know once you reach maintenance, we would hope things would level out. I don't mm. think we've got any good studies on that right now, but um, yeah, yeah hope, I, I'm very hopeful that hair would come back. Great. Yeah, but I know that is it's a big worry for a lot of people. It's a hard one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, your hair is everything, right? It is, yeah. <laughs> Look, All right, so go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Oh, just just look at your hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also, like, how do you tell if it's age, your, thin, your hair is thinning out, or yeah. I haven't had kids, or or the drugs. So I get it, though. But Yeah, and I, that's the other thing, too. Like, I, I, a lot of a lot of my patients are like perimenopausal, menopausal. And so that's going on too. So yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I think that's another thing. You still have to look at all potential causes because it could be more than one thing. It could be multiple causes. And um, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and we know that menopause and perimenopause is something that is getting a lot of attention now too. And something we're starting to treat more with hormonal therapy. So that's definitely an area to look at too. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you. A myriad of factors working around that, right? Yeah. All right. So I have another question for you. Um, the GLP-1 community is, we're, we're now empowered because of doctors like you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, being advocates for ourselves. Um, but our GLP-1 community is listening. How can they leverage um, the medications that treat obesity and work with our physicians to find a maintenance dose um, to kind of live happily ever after or essentially how do we, how do we work with our physicians to find that, that dose, that sweet spot? Is it more with how do you convince your physicians that you need to? You know what? Yes. Let's put it that way. How do we approach that sensitive topic? Because yes, yeah. doctors will say, you know, it's time for you to get off of it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. How do we approach that? That, or- that is a, a really hard one. I'm trying to think of how we, we would convince them. So I, I know like I have a lot of physicians who follow me and I think that that's one of the best ways we can teach them. Like I'm always paying attention to the new things that's that nice. people are saying about hormonal therapy, you know, even on TikTok, that's one of the ways we learn. So when you see other health providers, if you trust their opinion and they're saying, Hey, like we're, we need maintenance dosing. I think that's really big. I think it's harder for patients to convince physicians of that. Um, other than say bringing in articles or bringing in something, something where you think they're going to respect that the opinion, you know, um, I don't even know what kind of article that would be because probably bringing in TikTok oh. videos is not going to have a, a full, <laughs> have a lot of sway with your position. But, but I do think bringing in like bringing no. in data, bringing in articles by like someone who's board certified in obesity medicine that is saying like, Hey, we need maintenance dosing and here's why I think that would, that would be helpful. Um, because sometimes if they just don't know, they're going to be happy to have some sort of a guideline. And that's the hard part because there aren't real guidelines. There's just opinions right now. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to be another thing that will, will change, but it could be very hard to convince a physician who's not ready to hear that or who does not believe in that. Mm -hmm. Um, because Mm -hmm. the, the issue is a lot more than just what their opinion is on maintenance dosing. It's probably, you know, when and how they would treat obesity 
with medications anyway. And so a lot of that just goes back to that basic understanding of we need to treat obesity like any other chronic disease. But Mm -hmm. I think always appealing to them like this is, you know, this is helping me manage these multiple other things, always going back to your comorbidities and the logical side of what else it's doing for you is really important. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would just say something like, you know, most experts in the field believe there should be maintenance dosing. And and I would try to show some sort of proof about that. I've had a lot of patients for other things that will send me, you know, articles and, you know, and things they want to try. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Okay. But it's because they sent me an article and that's, you know, we're driven by data. And um, and I think that's always going to be really important when, yeah, when you're talking to your doctor, if if they're not on board. Right. Yeah. A lot of some other doctors that we've talked to, some of them will just say, well, you just need to find another doctor. And that's <laughs> but, the thing. It's probably not going to worth your time trying to convince them, you know, maybe once, but, but you're not going to spend but so much energy trying to do that. Yeah. Probably not going right. to, I just don't think it's going to, it's probably not going to work. You can only say so yeah. much. And I, I mm-hmm. think it's, mm-hmm. it's like, they've got to be in the right place. It's got to come from a, a, the right person and it, it may need to come from up here. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. 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 And these medicines, like, like you mentioned, sure, we have 20 years of data on them. Like, they're not brand new. Like they continue, I think, to be more refined and continue to be yeah. better and better. They kind of like, again, cracking the obesity code. Like that's what we're talking about here. Right. But I think that it's still, you know, with it just now having the you know indications for treating obesity, like it's only been what a few years. Right. So it's like, what does that best practice even look like yet? You know, and I don't, I don't know if there's data on that or not. No, there's not. And other than we know that we need something and um, and we we have quite a few years of data, but those older GLPs really didn't give a lot of weight loss. So we weren't looking at them for that. And they weren't, we just didn't utilize them as much. Like Bidurion was kind of horrible. I never used that one (laughs) if I can help it, but people will get like the Bidurion bumps. People would literally, a lot of people would get nodules at the site of injection. We don't see that with other uh, we don't usually yeah. see that with wow. other GLPs. So it's just like people did not want to be on these medicines the same way that they do like Ozempic and Manjaro. So, so they, yeah, they're in the same class, but it, but it wasn't the same. Yeah. 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 Well, as a type two diabetic um, and uh, someone who was, who was genetically predisposed to diabetes, uh, we saw that you recently made a video about mm-hmm. the like diagnose diagnostic yeah. criteria for diabetes, and thank you for making that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but my question is, in your experience, if a diabetic patient has met has not met their weight loss goal. But mm-hmm. their A1C is below six. Do you still titrate that patient up to meet the weight loss goal? Or since the A1C is now below six, do you? So I have a lot of patients that I'm using GLPs like Manjaro just for weight or for obesity treatment, some for type 2 diabetes and some for both. But yeah, you can titrate up. To, to either one of those goals. Um, you know, we know that Manjaro by itself without other types of medications like insulin that cause low blood sugars, it's not going to cause low blood sugar. So you would titrate up until 
you know, until we're seeing the weight loss result that we want, as long as people are tolerating it. Um, okay. and, and not that it's all about the medication, but until we're seeing the appetite reduction, mm-hmm. that's helping get rid of the food noise and, and the medication is well tolerated. And they're still, they still have an appetite to the point that they can take in the nutrients that they need, you know, so we, I will titrate up to the appropriate dose, um, from a weight perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I will, but there's not a lot of guidance on that. And so that's the thing. It's just, yeah. it's, it depends on what your physician thinks, but, right. um, yeah, so that would be no different than, you know, like in, in the case of somebody who has diabetes, but the A1C is normal, but they still have obesity. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I would titrate up the same, just like mm-hmm. somebody who were treating just for obesity. But it is, it's kind of, yeah. I think this is where medicine is, it's science, but it's, it's also an art and, and there's not a yeah. lot of guidance with this yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Thank crazy. you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I got something fun for you. Sure. Um, so I love watching your TikToks. And so you had one, it was over the holidays. I think you and your sister made one together. Uh-huh, she's a, uh-huh. is she a personal trainer or yeah, trainer? She's, a, she's a certified personal trainer and there she's a go. nutritionist by background. And she does kind of some different fun stuff. Like that's what, she, this is what she does for work too. She'll, she'll take yeah. clients on one-on-one and, and do like personalized nutrition. Yeah. That's so cool. Have, have you, your sister and you have thought about maybe like bouncing ideas off of each other or working we, in tandem? We, we do. No, we, we, we definitely oh, cool. do. Um, and I've had like a lot of her clients that then will come see me, you know, as their physician. So that that's the biggest way that we'll collab. But, um, but yeah, she, she'll really pay attention to diet. Like she'll do this, this thing where she'll, she'll, she'll have people tell her everything they're eating and she'll kind of give them like real time feedback on what they're, the, you know, the choices they're making or things that might be better. They're at a restaurant, whatever. She'll look it up and give them some feedback. So, and she has oh, really nice. good success. I mean, more than I would say without using GLPs, more than any doctor is going to have. So it's, it's really fun to see. And she's yeah. by a therapist or anything, but like, she will like peel away those layers, like an onion and get to the core of like, you know, what, it, what, it, what, what, what trauma happened a long time ago. And it's, it's very, yeah, it does. so she'll, yeah. Yeah. And, um, but she, we've had a lot of people that then she will send to me and we might start a medication, but I feel like a lot of the people that she works with, it's very different group of people than usually who, um, I'm working with. Usually what I've seen with her is it's more people who don't want anything to do with medications. They feel like they have to do it all on their own and they want to do it all on their own. And they, they aren't really that interested in meds. It's just like a totally different, I don't know, um, different world. Yeah. But sometimes yeah. our worlds do intersect and we try to make them intersect sometimes. I like, also I'm not, I'm not at all in the bodybuilding world. Like she is like, it's not an interest <laughs> at all. So it's, you know, it's just, I don't know, but we, we do throw ideas off mm-hmm. of each other a lot. And I'll definitely go to her for my, my food questions. And she'll ask me about, you know, if someone might be a, a good candidate for meds and. That's good. Yeah. It's good that she's oh, open like I that. Like I feel that. like. I, feel I think like I made her it was hard like enough that. to get doctors to come around. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and now we have doctors that have kind of come around and realized like, this is a yeah. path forward, you know, a yeah. very effective mm-hmm. path. And now we, I think it's great that we have like you know, nutritionists and dietitians mm-hmm. that are starting to be like, sure, like, let's talk about the combination of all of these mm-hmm. things. Right. You know? yeah. There's yeah. also a yeah. lot of, I've been, you know, I've experienced a lot of uh, disordered eating also in the fitness community as well. So yeah. That can really help also. Yeah. 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 Well, well, you know, what, uh, I believe bourbon RX broke the news last week that Hippocrates now has Mount Jaro, uh, for chronic weight management 
in adult dosages. So everyone was just all ablaze uh, with that <laughs> news, and we're, and and we're just so happy. So, but with that indication, do you see that as a move in the direction of Mount Jaro being approved for um, for obesity treatment? And also, how do you think that uh, move with Mount Jaro being in Apoc- in Hippocrates for chronic weight management will affect? insurance companies. It, it's not going to affect insurance companies. I was not that excited about it. Like I'm surprised <laughs> it's in there. And it, it, I don't know how they get all their information, but it must have pulled in from somewhere. But, yeah. Um, yeah. but it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean there's an FDA approval yet. It doesn't mean that, you know, insurance companies are not going to cover it for weight yet. Like there's, yeah. yeah, I don't think it means much, but it is exciting to see, like, it's exciting to see in writing. So yeah. I saw when yeah. you posted that. I looked on my app. It hadn't, it had not updated in my phone app yet, or maybe I need to update my app, but I did see it online. Um, yeah. And that it is a big resource that we use. Like it's my main resource that I use for quick references for meds. So I think it's really exciting. Um, so all that means is that it pulled in from somewhere that it could be used for weight management or that whoever was editing Manjaro in Hippocrates wants to use it for weight management. I don't know. Um, but I, yeah, I, I didn't, I was maybe a little less excited about it. Than <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, I think for us in the community, the reason we were so excited about it is because there've just been like such, it's almost like everything's being done in this vacuum, right? Right now, like with the mm-hmm. FDA and the approval for this, and we've seen like massive results right with Manjaro Mm -hmm. and our community and so many people having their lives completely changed and their health completely changed and I think that for us we're like that's movement that's a step like yeah it it is still a step progress like and it's in writing like I think that like that's why we were so stoked right I don't think it necessarily means a whole lot for a doctor but because they were like oh there's guidance on how to use this like maybe Mm -hmm. that's a step but there wasn't really guidance like I looked it up it just says you know list all the dosages and it says for maintenance like I I don't know there was no guidance but it was there but yeah I think you know pulled that information from somewhere however Hippocrates does things and it is still cool but it doesn't change anything we're still waiting for the fda approval for the obesity indication i appreciate that candor (laughs) (laughs) everybody has different perspectives and that's what we share on this podcast is we're going to have doctors on that will talk about compounds that feel very comfortable with them and then we'll talk about other we'll talk doctors who i know even like yourself like there's not enough information on for you to feel super comfortable like you've been very open about that you know so like i think it's important for us to get all these absolutely educational right that's what this is for yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. Um, so in terms of where people can find you, we know one of them is TikTok. Um, but where are your other areas or where can people follow your work? Um, I'm mostly on TikTok. I have an Instagram that just is there in case TikTok goes away. <laughs> and maybe I'll use it one of these days again, but I just can't I can't get excited about anything else. Oh, like nothing TikTok. else is that exciting. You know, yeah, that's how I feel like our TikTok world mm-hmm. is just so fun. Um, that, that's the only two places I am right now. I'm, I'm thinking about YouTube shorts, but yeah. it's mostly mm-hmm. like thinking, okay, if TikTok goes away, but yeah, <laughs> it, it, they always say that it never goes away. So I'm not really too worried about that right now. Yeah, I know. So, I don't know. Things are so weird. Yeah, I'm on Instagram <laughs> at wait.doc, but there's only so much there. It's mostly yeah. on TikTok. 
mostly on TikTok. Well, there's lots of really good TikToks. So for sure, people should follow you there. Yes. Yeah. Well, we've come to about the end of our time. Um, But thank you both so much for joining the podcast and helping us with this initiative. We appreciate it so much. Yeah, thank thanks you. for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting <laughs> us. Episode complete. Yay. We did it, <laughs> we did awesome. it Mary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first successful time we've had Community Plus Doc. The last time um, Dr. Rosen ended up being in emergency surgery. So we'll be <laughs> two different episodes. Yeah. Emergency one. surgery. I was thinking, what if I yeah. did a call? I was thinking that, but yeah, emergency yeah. surgery. That's like another level of yeah. <laughs> call. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so true. Well, I'm so glad you were able to go. Hey. Yeah. And I know it's uh, the end of your evening and you're wanting to go be with your family. So thank you so much for taking this time. Yeah. Thank you for having yes. us. Thank All right, you. everybody. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna duck y'all out so we can okay, do our yeah, class. Right. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Bye-bye. Oh well, that was awesome. That was Pretty amazing. Sweet. That was amazing. Yay. Such Yay. a good one. It's so good to hear different perspectives, you know, because mm-hmm. we are gonna have doctors on that disagree. And that's that's how innovation happens, right? Mm-hmm. Is by having different voices mm-hmm. and, you know, to back these things up or to challenge them, you know? So I think it's really good that we were able to have that, that different point of view, you know? Correct. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yes, 100%. Cool. Well, let's go around do our classic sign-offs. <laughs> we're ready. All right. All right. So this is Kim Carlos. Cause you've been listening to me run my mouth for an hour now. Kind of. I was better this time. Wasn't I? I let people talk more. You're so funny, of course. You were fine. It's a problem when you're really passionate about something. Yeah, you're excited. You want to, yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, um, so so for me, like the whole reason of this podcast is I hope that there are people out there that are doctor averse that don't want to go to their doctor, but I want them to know that there is actually help out there now. I want you to know that you're not alone. I want you to know if you're struggling with obesity or another metabolic issue, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And a lot of obesity is being alone. So you you aren't anymore. Come join our community. We'd love to have you and go talk yes. to your doctor. So I'm always going to say also a pasta because that's my thing. But let's go on to Kat. What is your that's classic awesome. sign? Okay. It's true. Like you're not alone. And, you know, a big part of binge eating where, where you and I are recovering from is isolation. Yeah. And, and shame. You're not yeah. and shame. And once you come out of the shadows. Yeah. Yes. And not be so secretive. But, you know, there you go. You know, yeah. Come out of the shadows. Come, come to the light, Carolyn. Yes. <laughs> Carolyn. Cat. It's. I'm late. a Gen Xer. No one's going to under this, understand this unless they were born in the '70s, maybe early '80s. So, I sorry. feel very sure I was born that the, in the 70s. Of our audience is likely <laughs> 35 and above. So, yeah. just because cool. that's me, so having fun with these things. Sure so you know. know. You're fine. <laughs> but anyway, I want to go back to old Catherine Hepburn because I love it. Always be yourself. Never give up. And don't put too much flour in your brownies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Janine, what's yours? Your grandpa said it real well last episode. What was it? It was so poetic. What did... She said so much. <laughs> it was like, you're like, well, it was marathon, not a sprint, but he said it real special. I can't remember how I said it, but it was good. Oh, God. 
That's a good and, one. Look and see, and that's what happens when you're born in the 70s. You can't remember. You have to look at the <laughs> I was born in the 70s too. I can't remember shit. <laughs> to, you know, to remember. But yes, yeah. uh, you, you, you know what? You never know who is watching you. Be an advocate mm-hmm. for... Yeah. Be, be an advocate for yourself yes. uh, because you never know how that will inspire someone else. And, so and it's a marathon, not a sprint with yeah. everything. And yes. you just pace yourself and everything really does work out. It really does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, this has been episode six of our podcast and this yeah. house is clear. <laughs> so... <laughs> This house is clean. I have exercised the the demons. demons. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Thank you.